Welcome to Podcasting Stories, insights and interviews from people just like you, using podcasts to grow their business and share their message. Podcasting Stories is brought to you by your podcast team, where having your own podcast is as easy as being a guest on ours. Find out more at yourpodcast.team. Now, here's your host, Dave Spray. Welcome to the Podcasting Stories podcast. My name is David Spray, and today we're talking with Ann Candido of Forthright People in Cincinnati. Forthright is an on-demand branding and marketing firm that was founded in 2019. In this episode, we learn more about the firm and the serendipitous way in which Ann met her co-founder, April. Ann started her podcast in 2020 with a weekly podcast release schedule. We talk about her podcast and lessons she's learned from having a podcast and what she would do differently if she could do it all over. If you've ever considered having your own podcast, this episode has a lot of great tips, insights, and lessons from someone who has released nearly 50 episodes of a successful podcast. Let's get to the show. And welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Dave. It's great to be here. Well, it is my pleasure. So let's kind of start at the beginning. Tell me about your firm, Forthright People. So let's just start by what does that mean? And what do you guys do in the marketing and branding space? Yeah, so Forthright People, what we call it is an on-demand marketing and branding agency. And it's really focused on helping businesses of all sizes quickly capture the hearts of their consumers without breaking the bank. So that's our differentiating factor. And the Forthright People Please came from the fact that we take a very human-first approach. That's come from a lot of our background about how do you make successful teams, how do you create quality work, and we believe that's critically important in order for businesses to really grow and thrive because the people are actually like the most important part of the business. So we do our business through an approach we call Coach Train Do, so that allows us to meet businesses where they are regardless of their size or their financial um, stability or where they are in their, their growth process. So we can we come in and we just figure out what is needed. But our goal is always to make sure that they become savvier branders and marketers. Okay. That is that is great. I love the, the business model. Now, were you uh, the founder? So I'm a co-founder. So okay. myself and April Martini. And the interesting thing about us is that we come from what we call the proverbial opposite sides of the marketing fence or the marketing track. So I grew up in the corporate world. I spent two decades at Procter & Gamble, and she grew up on the agency world. So normally oh, wow. a very contentious relationship, but it really works because we bring very unique perspectives from those sides. And we can talk about just about anything from you know, business and marketing and really be able to give that perspective to um, all of our, our followers on our podcast as well as all of our clients. So they can get a really comprehensive view of how to approach their business challenges. Well, that is that sounds like a, a wonderful partnership where you have complementary experience and skills that you bring to the table. Yeah, and that's what we really, really focus on. And, and when you meet us and you, you listen to our podcast, you'll hear that we're very different people when it comes to our approach on things, but we, we have very common philosophies which makes it a very collaborative partnership, but with very, very diverse thinking. That is awesome. And what year was that, that you all decided to, to launch this venture? So we started it about now two and a half years ago, but we actually started as something very different. 
So we actually started Forthright People as more of the coaching and the training piece, but then quickly found out that, hey, your credibility isn't quite there yet. You need to start where your, your, your real talents lie, which was in the branding and marketing piece. So over the next two years, we really have developed the branding and marketing piece. And, and even though we've been branders and marketers for, you know, combined 35 plus years, we really need to establish that credibility in the, the new space we were on our own. So we've been doing that, and now, because of that, we've been now starting to gain on more clients in the coaching and the training venues because they see the the quality of work they're able to produce and want to be able to replicate that even on their own within their own groups. Oh, that that is really a great story. So it sounded like in the in the early part of the journey, you did kind of a pivot to to, to kind of backfill some of your sort of credibility on the marketing and branding. And then as you uh, kind of enhance that credibility, you could then return to what your original vision was on the coaching and training. Does that sound about right? Yeah, it does. And I think that's really common for a lot of like entrepreneurs and freelancers. Like they all like start with this gusto of their passion. And then sometimes they find that they can't really like find a place for their passion immediately. And so we, we actually coach now a lot of entrepreneurs and freelancers in the, in the same uh, experience. And so what's really important is to like, okay, don't get frustrated and don't get down on yourself. It's really about kind of figuring out then, okay, what is it right now? What value can I offer right now that I can monetize and start building that credibility and reputation? So yeah, I mean, I, I'm sure you've been through it too, David, and all of the entrepreneurial journeys you've been on, as well as your current business. It's like, it's a constant state of learning and refining, a constant state of learning and refining. And if you're not learning and refining, if you're just kind of staying stagnant, <laughs> the world will quickly pass you by, right? Sure, sure. And I believe you're in Cincinnati. Is that right? Yep, we're in Cincinnati. Is that because that's where, isn't that where P&G is headquartered? Well, yes. I mean, you... we both have been here for different reasons. Actually, April grew up in Cincinnati. I'm actually originally from Columbus, Ohio. I went to school at University of Dayton and I'm actually an engineer by background. But P&G is where I found my home right out of college. And then I spent 20 years, what I call growing up in P&G and then you know, left about three years ago to, to do my own thing. And April has been here in, in, you know, this is her home home and has also had a similar journey where she's gone through some, several different agencies from creative agencies to more design-based agencies and then decided also to go on her own. And then we, you know, we actually got together, we call it the, the seven degrees of Kevin Bacon game where um, <laughs> I was, I was looking for a partner and I, but I didn't know it yet <laughs> to some extent. And I had met with somebody that I was working with at P&G who was in the agency. And he's like, you know what, you need to really meet so-and-so, you know, that person might have been an, an interesting client for you. So I wanted to go meet with this person. And he's like, well, you really need to meet my wife because my wife is kind of in your industry. And I was like, okay, so I went to meet with his wife. And his wife's like, you know, you really need to meet with April. April's doing something very similar. You guys might become partners. And luckily, when I reached out to April, she accepted my meeting because I didn't know at the time that she wasn't very fond of P&Gers. <laughs> and uh, but, but lucky for me, she had made a she she had made a New Year's resolution that she was going to take whatever meeting came up, and so she came to the meeting and, and she admits it very begrudgingly. <laughs> but, <laughs> but since then, we I mean it was, it was it was magic for me. You know, I was like, oh, I found my partner, and she's like, okay, calm down, we're still <laughs> dating here. You know, we're not married yet, but over the course of the next several months, we met very intensely for hours at a time, just really trying to understand each other, 
figuring out, hey, do our values and our philosophies even match? Are we going to be compatible, as, as you mentioned, with regards to our talents? Where do we overlap? Where does our passions really lie? Are we going to be able to really be able to cater to that on our both sides and still create a very viable business? That's, that is awesome. Now, although as a kid growing up in Iowa, the big red machine Cincinnati Reds baseball team in the 70s was my favorite baseball team. And I like Cincinnati just fine. I've been there several times. Don't tell April, but your hometown of Columbus is actually my favorite city in the state. Uh, I love. I went to college at the University of Texas in Austin, and Columbus reminds me so much of Austin. You know, get mm-hmm. state government, the big you know state university, and then once I discovered Schmidt's Sausage House there in Germantown, <laughs> I was hooked. In fact, I've driven a hundred miles out of my way just to stop at uh, Schmidt's there in Germantown. So. Yeah, that I is have awesome. A, you got the cream puffs too, I imagine, right? The the, the cream puffs, puffs that like takes yeah. up like not just a like a bread plate, face. not just a, <laughs> a dinner plate, but like a platter. They're yeah, uh, exactly. they're something. Yeah, it's you know they, they could probably are big enough to feed like a family of twelve, but it seems like invariably I managed to eat the whole thing by myself. The whole thing by yourself. Yeah, that's pretty typical. You shouldn't feel ashamed about that. <laughs> In fact, one of my best friends has his his second oldest son started law school at Ohio State a year ago. So they drove up together to kind of drop him off. And while he was there, I said, you've got to go to Schmidt's. And they sent me photos because I've not been there in about, Jesus, been at least 10 years. So they sent me photos of all of the uh, courses that they enjoyed. So it was- Oh, uh, that's fine. It was just like I was there, except I didn't gain the five pounds when I woke up the next day. So it was kind of a win-win all around. <laughs> that's fine. So, um, so help me, help me and the listeners get just a better understanding of exactly what you and April do. So can we talk about like a, a, a client success story that kind of encompasses everything you all do? And if you need to not mention them by name, that's certainly fine. If you could just give us kind of a generic description of the company, maybe what brought them to you and some of the ways you were able to help them. Can you think of an example for us? Sure. I'll, I'll give a couple of specifics and then kind of categorize them. If, if It might make it a little easier to, to internalize because we deal with all elements of marketing and branding. So we've had our clients stretch from everything from like medical spas to park districts to um, we did work for my, my sorority last year. And right now, what is the, the area that we're getting the most traction on that people are really, really curious about is personal branding. So okay. we have, we've done a tremendous amount of personal branding work for, and mostly for individuals. And these individuals are in some sto- um, place in their life that they're looking to explore either some sort of like total career pivot to a freelance world, or they're looking for a side hustle and they're trying to develop branding and, and marketing around that. But as we know, like when you're an entrepreneur and a freelancer, I mean, you are your brand for a very long time, if not the whole entire time. So it's really sure. important to define your personal brand and, and, and what part of your personal brand is going to translate into your business. And for me and April, we, since we've been through the, the, the world of corporate and agency for so long, and we are very process oriented, we've developed a process behind it. So a lot of people talk personal branding very esoterically, it's almost like a, you know, kind of a, a tagline or a catchphrase, but 
for us, it's actually a systemic and a systematic approach for how do you bring awareness to how you're showing up because we, as even as you know, people are commodities. I mean, we're all raising our hand wanting to be chosen for something, right? And so it's very important to understand what you, the, the, your, your community or, who, or whoever your stakeholder is wants and being able to be able to cultivate your personal brand in a way that makes you appeal. And we even say about selling who you are so that the other person wants to buy it, right? And it sounds very transactional, but it's actually not at all. It's very human relations. And it's all about human relations. And so that's why we really help people develop that introspection. What we're noticing is when people actually go there to address the, the three aspects of that, which is your characteristics, your appearance, and your behaviors and actions, a lot is revealed and, and a lot can then be um, capitalized on in order to build a personal brand that then can help your business grow, um, in, if, especially in an entrepreneur kind of a freelance world. But as well as if you're struggling kind of in your corporate job. I mean, I, I know when I was at P&G, the big thing was like, okay, you had your performance rating, but then you also always had these like softer skills things, right? Sure. Where they're like, you know, you know no, and these are the things that make it really hard like for people to give you feedback on because they're softer skills and people don't really articulate them very well. So you're kind of left kind of wondering what it is, is why I can't get promoted or why I'm not getting that job or why am I, you know, am I struggling? And so, you know, you tend to work more and you tend to, you know, go through some kind of unhealthy behaviors. But if you could just do the introspection of understanding like who you are, there's usually ways to address your behaviors and your actions that are able to then move you towards your goals. So we do a lot of work there for individuals, both within companies, but recently it's been a lot of freelancers and people who want to do their own thing or start developing their own thing. And then we also then will take that and develop um, the whole design around that because then that influences what your logo looks like, what's your brand story, what do you mm. want your communications to, to be, what's your messages, what's your vision. How does that then translate into your website, your social strategy, all of your marketing vehicles, your any collateral you might have? So we've been doing a lot of that work and, and finding it very rewarding. And, and people are really finding some incredible transformation within those exercises. Oh, wow. And so can we talk about like a specific uh, example of somebody, you know, kind of the from start to finish? Again, if you need to anonymize them, that's fine. Let's see. Yeah, so there's so there's a there's several that I could talk to. I it's hard to talk about them. Okay, let me see if I could think of how to do this. So I'll talk about one that we're doing right now. Okay, so this okay. is somebody that we worked with before as a she was a, a previous client in the context of her the company for which she worked and we did branding and marketing work for her. She's now interested in taking her her expertise and starting to develop her own thing. But she's kind of similar to how me and April started, where she wanted to do a little bit more of a broader kind of coaching training, consulting that was a little bit outside of her credibility uh, range right now. So okay. what we've done for her is we have had her go through her personal brand analysis. So that gives us language and it gives her an ability to kind of start articulating what's important about her, that the attributes of her personal brand that she wants to translate into her business. And if anybody wants to do this, we have all the worksheets on our website. So they can go to our website and they can start seeking and also a ton of podcast episodes on it. But they can, she had her do that. So that helped her start thinking through. It also gave us some awareness and some insight into her. And what we found was that 
And she's a very dynamic person. Like she has a persona and she's kind of in a little bit of a conservative kind of environment. But on her um, other side of her life, she's very, she's much different than that. Like she's, she's a little, yeah, very more like an activist and she's a lot more like quirky and she's, you know, she has a little bit of a different persona and she's trying to figure out, okay, how much of that do I need to bring into this? So yeah, so the whole objective became to unite who she was as a person, both on, you know, from both sides of her life, because your characteristics are neither good nor bad. They're just who you are. And it's really important to be able to identify how those, you, you want those to show up in your business. And so we took what was going to make her differentiated, what was really her and, and, and a vision she could live into and united it with that more traditional language to create a brand story that we felt was going to really appeal to this new clientele, but also bring out who she is so that she can have a, a space to play and, and set those expectations with her clients in that way. So from that, then what we'll do once that is aligned to is we'll start making creative from that. So we give her a couple of examples of logos. So one that's a little bit more I would say like nailed like the brand story and maybe one that's a little bit further out. Then we start to identify a tone of voice for her so that she's very clear about the style of communication that she wants to have across her channel. And then from there, if she wants to develop it even further, we'll develop a marketing strategy or communication strategy for how she should communicate and where and when. And even if she needs to bring in additional storytellers in order to tell her story. That could include developing a website. It could develop, include a social strategy for which channel she wants to play on on social. So it could include multiple things, but we kind of do it in stages so that we can learn as we go and make sure that it's going to um, fit one with the budget of our clients, but as well as making sure that we don't get too far ahead of ourselves. Okay. Yeah. What a, what a really interesting story because I didn't even know that a firm like yours existed in this way. I mean, it's just really fascinating how you were able to to really kind of start with her own personal brand and then figure out how much to temper it or, or conservatize it, if you will, for her market and then strike the right balance between being, quote, you know, professional and corporate while still revealing some of her unique traits to make her, you know, less like a commodity and more unique. Is that, is that about right? Did I? Yeah, that's about right. And that's really, David, that's the branding philosophy. And this is the interesting thing that we come across a lot is that a lot of businesses think branding is something you go do like, and, and it's reserved for big businesses and big brands. I mean, I worked on the tides of the world. Everybody's like, Oh, that's what a tide does. I'm like, no, Branding is a philosophy. Branding is the way that you are able to develop a, a, a way of being. And we call it, there's, there's three critical questions you have to answer about a brand, which is, who am I? How am I different? And why do you want me? And that's what creates your brand. And that's what differentiates you in a space. And that's what makes you not a commodity. That is mm-hmm. the reason people will choose you because 90% of decisions are emotional. So if right. you're not tapping into that emotional state, if you're not going to that brand level, you're really relegating yourself into a state of, of a commodity, which then you know, and I know how commodities compete. They compete on price, right? And if you can't then get law for the lowest prices, then, you know, you have a chance to become obsolete. 
So the brand is how you differentiate. It's what makes people love you. It's what makes you coveted. That's why Nike is not just shoes. Nike is <laughs> is a, right. a, a coveted brand that when people put on it, they feel like they're an athlete. They feel like they have swagger. They feel like they have style. It's more than just a shirt. It's more than just the shoes. And that's the same thing with people. People need to feel that they're more than just whatever they are or whatever they do. No, that makes so much sense. And I am, I love the three questions. I mean, I thought I had some marketing familiarity, but those three questions, who am I, why am I different, and why do you want me, I mean, are so brief yet so powerful because it's it's like if you have the answer to those three questions, now all of a sudden you have your elevator statement. Right. right? Because if each one of those is is a sentence, now that's your elevator paragraph. You're absolutely right. And the objective of that is to get beyond that it's just it's just what you do. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm more than just a brand or a marketer. Like we do branding and marketing, and like I said, in order to make others the savvier branders and marketers. That's our that's our objective. That's the emotional impact we want to have. And when you can tap into that and you make those questions about that, then you create this value that differentiates you. It also allows you to command higher prices. It allows you to attract more consumers. It allows you to scale mm-hmm. more quickly. That's the big brand secret, right? And anybody right. can do that. It doesn't matter what size you are, from single person to small business to large businesses. Anybody can do that. But that is the secret to scale. And that's what we're really trying to get people to understand. I love it. I love it. And with that, if you don't mind, I'd like to to uh, shift gears and talk about your podcast, since sure. that is the name of our podcast, Podcasting Stories. Let's let's dive into some of those podcasting stories. So, what made you want to start the podcast, and when did you start it? So, we started the podcast back in November, meaning you know, you know, that was we're in the midst of COVID, and so what we were trying to determine after going through our own brand analysis was how did we want to continue to grow our exposure and our reputation, especially at a time and place where at, you know people were starting to really be very conservative when it came to branding and marketing. So we we're trying to figure out how can we offer the most amount of value, continue to grow our business, and do it in a way that was going to provide a good outlet for us, but also get like who we are through. And that's why we started the podcast. So it's a very clearly identified by us, a marketing channel. So it's that, but it's also what we, a way that we have kind of affectionately reframed it as, you know, democratizing marketing. Because as we just talked, like marketing tends to be a very big black box for a lot of people. And, you know, and it's, it's kind of intentionally cultivated. Like I said, it, it kind of feels like it's reserved for big businesses, but then also, when you have agencies, agencies try to keep a lot of that stuff very close because it's sure. what they feel is their own way that they're going to provide value in, in order for you to come and need them and want to continue to give them money. So we live through that. I mean, April lived on that one side and I lived on the other side. I mean, we live through that. So what we're now doing is taking all of our personal stories, all of our experience, all of our expertise and funneling it into this podcast so people can really have a very true understanding of what marketing and branding mean in this world. No, I, I, I love it. So has it, what has, what part of the podcast has been just like you expected it to be and what parts of it were, were different than you expected the experience to be? 
wow, that's a <laughs> that's an interesting question because you know we kind of I, I was a, a avid podcast listener. Actually, mm-hmm. it was the way that I learned as I was leaving PNG and heading into my entrepreneurial um, journey. I mean, I, I consumed every podcast I could from all kinds of business leaders to entrepreneurs to people. I mean, Anything I could consume to learn, I did, and you know, and I, I, I considered those, those, those podcast hosts my network. Even though mm-hmm. I didn't know them directly, even though they didn't know me directly, I considered them my network. So when, so that's something that we were trying to cultivate within ours, and that's I think what we um, have successfully, successfully done. So that's what we expected. So we expected to be able to take. And then kind of extend that networking effect and, and apply it to our own podcast. What I think we didn't expect was that it was going to be a slow burn. So me and April are very action-oriented, kind of like, that's, I mean, that's what our whole agency is based off of. It's like, we're going to give you the things that you can have, take action on today. Like, that is our mantra. So knowing that, like, podcasting is a slower burn, and plus it takes consistency and quality in order to break through because there's so many people who can who have sure. podcasts out there. Developing the craft of it was something that I don't think we were quite like had our minds wrapped around and we're still refining it and, and you know the the learning refining what the thing I was saying earlier, that's still a big part of it. But it, it it's the craft. The craft is like bigger than I could have anticipated and everybody kind of has a slightly different way that they approach podcasting. I mean, our format's a little bit more educational, it's a, but it still has free flow conversation. We have it in, in different parts, but, you know, assigning the right music. Again, it's branding of the podcast, right? It's assigning sure. the right music, assigning, getting the right guests. I mean, all that sort of thing is um, what creates the, the, the podcast and, and makes it kind of have a, it, it be a brand that can and live on its own. So is that specific enough in answering that question? Yeah, it's, no, it's, that's a perfect answer. So drilling down two questions, one, have you been able to see any revenue, you know, any new revenue that's come directly from the podcast or is it, is it, are you at a point that it's just kind of harder to measure because it's just kind of part of your whole branding message? Yeah, I mean, we're, we're still kind of early in that. You know, I, I think what I've learned is that if you think that a podcast is going to bring you fame and fortune, you probably need to rethink your motivation. Sure. Um, but I, that being said, it definitely has worked very well as a marketing vehicle for us. So when we're trying to pitch clients, for example, and we, and we identify what their business challenges, we'll be like, oh, you know what? We have a podcast episode on that. Let us send mm-hmm. that to you. It gives you a little bit of an understanding about something you can go do now so that immediate action you can take. It also gives you some exposure to who me and April are as people. It yep. also lets you know um, how we're going to be with you because what how we are on our podcast is how we are with our clients. So if that's the kind of style you like, we're the people for you. If it's not the style you like, then we're probably not the people for you. So I would say it's helped us close a lot of business and, and it's worked really, really well from that standpoint. I also believe it is one of those factors that helps to kind of get people in. But, you know, as, as you know, marketing requires multiple different engagements in order for somebody to really like to, to really close the deal. So I would definitely think the podcast is one of those. We're not like 
you know, generating money from sponsorships and all that sure, sort of thing. Sure, sure. But it definitely is working really well as a marketing channel in order to be able to facilitate um, getting business and new business. Yeah, that's been my experience of having a podcast too, is it really adds credibility. Like I have my original business that's a very niche tax consulting business. You know, I've written a book on the subject and I have a podcast on the subject and I'm probably the only person in the world that has either. So when I'm talking to somebody and I tell them like that I'm, you know, quote the guy on this, it's like they believe it because I bring a copy yeah. of the book to the meeting. And then I mention I have a podcast on the subject and I swear like the people set up a little straighter in their chair because they're like, wow, I'm like, I'm, 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 I'm with somebody famous in this arena because they have a book, <laughs> they have a podcast and, you know, I should treat this person with a little more uh, respect than just some you know, sales guy, you know, trying to sell me something. I was going to say, yeah, I totally agree. I mean, I, I think it definitely adds to the reputation piece. And I, I, we tell our clients this all the time, especially our service-oriented clients who are like, hey, you know, I, I sell something that people are only going to buy like one time, right? Mm-hmm. And so how do I become that one person that they choose? And I said, well, you know, we actually, April and I say this together. It's like, you need to become a thought leader in your industry, whatever that looks like. The podcasting is one way to become a thought leader. And that is what helps build credibility and reputation for sure. Yep. Now that has certainly been, been my experience as well. So a couple questions. So I can't help myself, you know, since we have a podcast consulting business, if you don't mm-hmm. mind, I've got like if you wouldn't let, if you wouldn't mind, I'd like to ask you a few questions. So one is, have you all considered transcripts? You know what we have, and I've seen other people do it, and they actually kind of funnel it even through a different mechanism. I, I've heard, I've heard hot and cold on that. Okay. out. Yeah, I can tell you about half our clients use them, and about half don't. Uh, I have them on on all of my podcasts. And uh, what we usually tell our clients, because if you really do the transcript right, it's not inexpensive because you're, you're paying like a, a live human being to to type it up. I mean, you can do these artificial intelligence transcripts, but you end up having to go <laughs> back and get. yeah, and you have to completely you know edit the thing. What we find are our clients who are using it. They use it for two reasons. One, they use it to help their SEO. Because you have all that that text that's just because right because think about like how many times the word branding and marketing mm-hmm. uh, comes up in your typical podcast. So if you have all those words all those times, so we've heard it helps with SEO. But the other way, the clients that really have embraced it, they use it for repurposing. They use mm-hmm. it for coming up with uh, blog posts and other things. Because I heard somebody say once that doing a podcast is way easier than and crafting a blog. And so some of our clients are basically taking the podcast and taking like excerpts of it and using that for the blog post or even just saying, Hey, yeah, this blog is an excerpt from our podcast episode, you know, such and such. And we're kind of covering the high points from it. So, but yeah, but we have other clients though, who really aren't going to use it for that. And we suggest that they don't spend the the money to do it. But I was just curious if it was something you all had considered. Yeah, we have considered. What we actually did instead is we create worksheets for every episode. So our worksheets, yeah, so our worksheets hit like the four key points because our our format is generally four key points. Sometimes we're very overt in articulating that. Sometimes it's a little bit more um, subliminal and sometimes we stray from it. But 
we have worksheets on every episode that outline those four key points and also have a, a section that says, okay, what came up for me right now? And then and, and here's my action plan. So that, that are, are on the website. Yeah. And so that allows us to get the SEO, but also gives our clients something actionable because for me, it's a little bit of an interesting dilemma is you're taking something that's in one format, which is, you know, auditory podcasting, and you're trying to translate into something that's visual. It's a lot of t- things what people are doing now with YouTubing their podcast, right? Sure. Um, which we have decided not to write as of right now. It, that obviously putting it on, on YouTube helps with SEO as well. But I don't know. It's, it's an interesting dilemma. And, but that's how we, that we use the worksheets instead of transcripts. I love that idea. I've never thought of that. And so I was actually, while we were talking, I was trying to access the worksheets on your website, but I see that there's a, a sign up process uh, first, so I can't easily review them. But you're saying you create a worksheet. It's just, an, from, it's just your name and your email. That's all we oh, take. Okay. So you, uh, so you do a worksheet for every episode. Is that correct? A worksheet for every episode. And then sometimes we have deep dive worksheets. So these go into more like topics that are require a lot more explanation. So for example, there's one on there on the personal branding. So it goes through all the elements to help you assess your personal branding on kind of like a, um, a thousand foot view kind of level, but more self-guided. And then we're going to have, we actually have like workshops and more in-depth training and keynoting that we do. And if people want to take it a little bit further, there's one on there on brand story. How do you really think through your brand story? I think, so there's, there's also a checklist for entrepreneurs on there. So there's some level of deep dive as well that complements the, the more general work. But yeah, that helps us give some incremental value to our to our listeners. Okay. That's I, I love that idea. So as we're kind of nearing the end here, two questions on the, the podcast. Uh, really, the main one I want to ask you is if you knew then when you started your podcast what you know now, would you still have done the podcast? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it was it was kind of destined, I think, to happen for us. It's definitely a vehicle that we really appreciate and we really enjoy. So yeah, for sure we would do it and we're gonna continue to do it. Yeah. So one of the more one of the more impressive things is that our clients will usually recommend they start with a monthly release cadence because we'd rather if you're familiar with the term podcast fade or or somebody starts off real real enthusiastically, but then the frequency just keeps getting longer and longer and then they stop. So we usually like it, the appearance of going the other way, right? We'd rather start off monthly than go to twice a month. And we also tell our clients that a weekly cadence, because I know that myself, uh, can be challenging. Has that Mm -hmm. been challenging for you in April, that weekly cadence? And if you had to do it all over again, would you have still done the weekly cadence or would you have done like every other week? I think the weekly cadence still feels like the, the the best way for us to continue to have new and relevant content out there. I mean, one thing about our, our us as branders and marketers is we're content producers. So we do do podcasts, we do blog, we do it all. And that's just our personal passion in order to get our message, our point of view and our, and our service out there in order to help as many people as we can. So Cadence still works pretty well for us on that because there's just so much we could cover. Now we do batch. So when we go in, okay. as you're going to find out next week, we, ba- we batch four at a time or five or six sometimes. Oh, so we I batch see. them and we'll go in and we'll tape four at a time and then they're released by our production company, Gwyn Sound, here in Cincinnati, on that weekly basis. Okay. 
So that's, yeah, that's a, that's a great idea. I may actually uh, borrow some of that because my original podcast was a monthly cadence. My second one was weekly. And the third one I host is also weekly. And that third one, I think I've done like four or five episodes and we've released two in podcasting stories. I think I've done like 18 and we've released 16, but that's a great idea that that may make it uh, more manageable if I'm kind of batching them in, in one day. So I appreciate that, uh, that input. Well, the answer to the, you would definitely do it uh, again, if you could do it all over to me, that really summarizes just about any other question I could ask you about the podcast. So as we wrap up the last two questions, one's going to be a curveball here. <laughs> okay. If you could go back in time and give advice to your 25 or 20 year old self, what advice might you give yourself? <laughs> that's a great question. Actually, I should have a blog post coming out here today or tomorrow that actually talks about this. For me, and I, and actually, um, a preamble to the answer to the question here is I get this question a, a lot, but I get it in the context of now that you left P&G, what do you wish you would have done differently? And there's a couple of answers to that question that I give one. And this kind of usually throws people for a loop since you threw a curveball. I'll throw a slider back. Um, <laughs> is... <laughs> since we're in red country, sure. um, is I would, I would not have put as much money in my 401k. Actually, I would have diversified outside my 401k. I, I think now that I'm out of it and I'm, I'm going to be 46 and I look at that, the fact that there's 13 more years between, before I'm 59 and a half, but there's so much that I could do with my money now if it was liquid that oh, allows sure. me to have more freedom to live like I'm retired. <laughs> and I right. think that's the thing that I tell people you know, we, we, we kind of churn away in our corporate jobs and for that day that we can retire and that's when our life is going to begin, right? When we right. are 60, we, our life can begin. I'm like, I don't want to wait till I'm 60 to my life begin. I've seen too many people wait until they're 60 and then, you know, right. they can't live their life and I want to live my life now. And, mm -hmm. and we do invest in real estate so we have diversified income so that helps a lot. But I wish I would have done that way earlier and I wish I would have had mechanisms for doing that when I was 25. Now there's so many and there's no excuse not to, but I really wish that I would have done that. And that takes us getting out of the mindset of like our parents and our grandparents and before them, which is like, you go to work, you invest as much money in your 401k so they'll match it. And then you get it when you're 59 and a half. You're like, you, you can't live that mindset anymore. We're not going to retire. I mean, that's the thing. That's a light, that's a likelihood of us is that we're living longer. The, the likelihood of us retiring um, and not generating any income either out of necessity or just sheer boredom is just it's just not you know realistic anymore yeah well and i've subscribed to a theory of by dan sullivan the founder of strategic coach that if you structure your business to where you're spending most of your time in your unique ability and doing what you love and you have clients who you are a hero to why would you ever stop doing that you might just do it more on your own terms but yeah that's exactly. certainly my my approach so the last question is just what's the best way for people to reach you do you accept the linkedin requests absolutely accept linkedin requests yeah you can find me on linkedin I mean, obviously, I'd love for everybody to go to Marketing Smarts and listen to the podcast and read and review it. Or they can find us on their website, forthright-people.com. And, and your spelling of your name, A-N-N-E-C-A-N-D-I-D-O. Is that yep. correct? That's right. And forthright is F-O-R-T-H-R-I-G-H-T-people.com. 
That is great. Well, Anne, I really appreciate you taking time out to be on the podcast. I think that you've had a lot of really valuable information for entrepreneurs in general and also for people who might be considering a podcast. I really appreciate the insights and I really appreciate the works, the worksheet approach. I think that really has a lot of value for other people. It was my absolute pleasure. Thanks for having me. And there we have it. Another great episode. Don't forget to check out the show notes at www.podcastingstories.com. This podcast is brought to you by your podcast team. If you have ever considered having your own podcast, head over to www.yourpodcast.team to learn more about how they can help you. That's it for this episode. Have a great week and we'll talk to you next time.